2: Hello, and welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about comedy. I'm Jason Hazley. I'm Joel Morris. And as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works. Or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is Miles Jupp. Hello. Hello and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Welcome to the den. I I, I've made you sound slightly dangerous then, didn't uh, I? Yeah, yeah. Is that so good? Do you a, like to cultivate uh, an
3: air of danger? I would love a sense to be dangerous, yeah. <laughs> Selina Cadell. Do you know Selina Cadell? The other night she said to me, yes, I don't think you realise how dangerous you are. Whoa. And I really? thought that was really exciting, yeah.
0: Wow. Were you rewiring really
3: a plug badly or something? I was, I was giving her a lift. <laughs> uh, no no I wasn't no no she was she was referring to uh, she was she's co-directed to play I in and she was talking about that but uh, anyway I took that as an enormous compliment
2: so dangerous as an actor though.
3: yeah presumably perhaps that means we just don't trust you I don't uh, you're untrained you I had collided with one piece of furniture that night and there's only three on the set uh, so maybe that was maybe it was all about that and it wasn't a compliment perhaps it was a note uh, a but i've <laughs> taken it as a compliment <laughs> a lot
0: of acting's about working out where you're meant to be isn't it I,
3: yeah. I've, I've all acting. It's about, and nearly every job in comedy or even like presenting is looking like you're meant to be there. That's that's all it is. No, if you're presenting a sort of corporate awards ceremony, you know, uh, uh, you know, Velcro innovation of the year or whatever, people will say, well, why would you present that? And there is no reason why you'd present that. So the, the job is to look like you're meant to be and uh, that, right. to try and look well, like I mean, you're a- the right fit.
0: It's why people who've got a natural sense of entitlement can be massively overpromoted. All that happens is that if the audience's first reaction to seeing you do anything, whether you're a politician or an actor, is, sorry... Who are uh, you? Yeah, that shouldn't
3: they, they shouldn't be there. Yeah. Well, it's like, do- I suppose, doctors. It's entirely about <laughs> reassurance, isn't it? Yeah. I was once, it's the only thing where I live, we were at a church service and we were up in the balcony and someone keeled over. And There was a guy sitting next to us who's a doctor and he went down and after a while, I saw the person who keeled over just sort of sat up. And uh, when he came back, I said, What was wrong with them? And he said, I've absolutely no idea. <laughs> and I said, So what happened? And he said, Well, they were all panicking. And then uh, the daughter said, Does he need an ambulance? And so I said, No. And then he just sat up. Wow! And that was what was required to be. It's basically. I find that even though I'm very, very late thirties, there are times in life you think I just need a grown-up to tell me if this is the yeah, right thing yeah, to yeah, do yeah. or not. Is and there that's there what anyone going on the to plane the doctor who could
0: pretend to be a doctor? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Nielsen <laughs> just steps forward and goes, yeah, "I've yeah. got this." <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. Could Hugh Laurie please come?
3: <laughs> to economy <laughs> briefly he doesn't have to stay <laughs>
0: <laughs> that turned up in simon singh and Zard ernst book on alternative medicine really interesting book called trick or treatment where they did double blind tests on alternative medicine and the only conclusion they come to is that alternative medicine it's any medicine that has failed but it a just has test.
3: it just has calm
0: practitioners what it is is usually you've paid for it and because you paid for it the person who you're talking to has loads of time and a gp on the nhs is very very busy but private medicine and alternative medicine are the same because usually you pay for it privately. So the people can give you their time. And Simon's conclusion, which was brilliant, he said, Well, the, the conclusion we can come to is traditional medicine would be far more effective if you could work out a way that the doctor looked like they were really paying attention. <laughs> Because it, it apparently just reassures people and their body kicks in and they start looking after themselves. He said, weirdly, yeah, he said, right. it's all down to the bedside manner. He said, the bedside manner of all the alternative practitioners was absolutely second to none. Yeah, because yeah. Because you'd given them money. It it was was quite the often stuff.
3: when you're talking to a doctor, they're also typing, aren't they? Yes. And you think, is this, I mean, if you had to take another work. <laughs> yeah. oh my, she's, she's franking envelopes. This is outrageous. Playing the
1: piano. <laughs> I can't have a minute.
3: Yes, I've just got a little bit of air traffic control on the line. Yeah. It's only a small private, car. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, you sound fine yeah. <laughs> well, Someone told me recently about a doctor This do, is, does link into what yeah, we're going to be yeah. talking about I suppose, uh, vaguely But it was about um, a doctor who was so fed up With people that are uh, going and googling All their, you know, oh, coming gosh. up and saying I think I've got Chinese river blindness And things like that <laughs> Their their approach now with people that say, now, look, I'm worried and I've done a lot of reading, is he says to them, so that they know that uh, he's the real deal, he says, okay you tell me what your symptoms are and I will tell you what you think you've got. Wow. And when he gets that right, then they he has their, their confidence. It's
2: great, it's like a parlour game. But when is he gets it, it wrong, it must, really yeah. it must be really awful. It must be
3: awful. No, it's not that. No, I think, yeah, I think I've think i got a cold. You've diagnosed something awful. <laughs> See, there's a format It's probably true. on four extra. Guess what's seriously wrong with me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sort of quite, you could have it on quite late at night and it could be quite ponderous. Illness is a hilarious thing sometimes. I love uh, Bill Bryson, especially the travel ones, and there's one, A Walk in the Woods, about the Appalachian Trail, and there's a paragraph that I find unbearably funny, which is literally him... <laughs> just describing the symptoms of Lyme disease. <laughs> and it's just really, 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 really funny. If you Google the line, no less arresting is Lyme disease, this, this paragraph <laughs> comes up in the book. And it's just... It's just brilliant, and it's just—it's just—it is just a list of maladies with about maybe two extra sentences that he's had to adorn slightly. Well,
0: that's, that's the key to Graham Chapman and Chris Morris. And there's lots of people who just used medicine very funnily. The medical reviews were a big thing for a while, weren't they? So people who were training to be doctors. Well, that's what went people to like
3: Phil. Well, obviously, Doctor Phil Hammond, but Graham Tony. Garden, was he? Yeah, but Tony Gardner as well. He really, used it. Well, he, Tony Gardner was in a double act with Phil called Struck Off and Die.
0: I oh, that oh yeah, yes. Mm. Funny Doctors. What you're talking about here, then, is, is something which is very, very relevant to the thing you brought in. As which it is turns out. A, a professional... Very professionally done. <laughs> done. But the idea of, of a veneer of professional competence over, obviously, massive personal incompetence. Yeah. There's something just inherently comic about a doctor not coping. Do what have you brought in for us to examine today?
3: Well, uh, I, I have Frasier. <laughs>
1: Breathtaking. Well, don't be greedy. Your turn was over forty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. You know the way you do it isn't right, don't you? We're simply admiring a very rare Brancusi armchair, not a naked woman. That's what I'm talking about.
3: <laughs> I am a very, very big fan of the American sitcom uh Frasier. There was a time on in the nineties on Channel Four where I think Friends would be on at nine, mm-hmm. and everyone would watch that. And then some people at nine thirty, would watch Frasier. The and better I, people, you mean? I, well, I'm not. It's not for me to say, but <laughs> his, history will. We call will, ourselves the nine ers Yeah,
2: <laughs>
3: history will decide. Yeah, I went to a boarding school, so on a Friday night, you would watch sort of television till everybody would watch Friends, and that so it's one of the things that got me into comedy was that. The sort of communal aspect of yeah. it, being in a room full of people watching, you know, you end up watching stuff on your own a lot. And I went to see *Spamalot* in New York with David Hyde Pierce in it, and one of the things I realised about ten minutes in was that. Like, Oh, wow, I've always watched Monty Python. I've always watched just me and my brother. It's amazing when there's another 1,500 people as well yeah, laughing. Yeah. And so that we everyone would watch Friends, and then, and then everyone would just sort of get up. But there was this guy that I knew, James, and he said, um, Oh, you know, there's a thing on After Friends that I think you would really like. It's got this guy in it that really reminds me of you, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's how I, I watched it. And um, oh, I just loved it. Really, I really, really loved it.
1: Look, I know I don't have your total support in this, but how shall I put this? You don't care. If you could work the phrase "rat's ass" into there, you'd have it.
3: When it was paramount, it used to, they used to have two episodes back to back: five, five, and five thirty. when I was at university, and I would uh, run back to my own flat in Tol Cross in Edinburgh to watch an hour of uninterrupted mm. Fraser. As it turns out, I could have done it in the morning. It's well.
0: One of the things I mean, it just occurred to me: that one of the things that happened when, when we went multi-channel, when we went, uh, seriously multi-channel. Mm. Was a lot of the American imports got parked onto digital channels? So Friends is now on E4 or whatever. Yeah, uh, everyone's nostalgic for the, the TV of their childhood, and you look at it, and so much of it wasn't made in the UK mm. that your your big drama of an evening wouldn't be The Bodyguard or or Doctor Foster. It would be Columbo or Kojak or yeah. and Hutch or The A Team. It would all be imported stuff, which is now on sort of tends to be on digital channels or on Fox or Sky or whatever. Yeah, but. British television was really focused on getting a top-class import in to anchor its its viewing for a big comedy night. Would say it'll open with Friends. It'll have Cheers. That's it your big. Be...
3: That's your big signing, isn't it? That's your uh, in county championship yeah. terms. That's your <laughs> that's your overseas player. You know, yeah, let's but get it's let's happening. get Virat Kohli in for three games. You know, that's that's what's happening there.
0: But I think culturally it's left in a very funny place where I don't know. A perfect example. I'll I'll profess an ignorance now. I have seen one episode of Modern Family in the nineties. That would have been on Channel Four at nine o'clock on a Friday night, yeah. I would have
3: watched it. Or the BBC at one in the morning.
0: Community, all those shows that you have to go and seek out now, used to just be thrown at you, thrown at the mainstream. And I think they really helped. You can see some, I think, slightly in British comedy, when they try and do a mainstream hit now, they're still copying those really, really big American hits of the 90s. They're still copying mm. the rhythms of Friends and things. Yeah, And you think... Well, I think if you watch what's actually been coming out of America, it's changed rhythms completely since then. And so a lot of British sitcoms feel quite old-fashioned. Sort of they're following Seinfeld or Larry Sanders. But because that was the last time everyone got round and went, these are huge hit shows. What's a huge hit show? And you go, well, it's Frasier, Friends. Thinking, these are but it presumably
3: also matched the demographic of the people making them. So, yeah. it, you know... Cheers. You know, that'd be written at the sort of that time in your life when you're not all that busy and it doesn't quite matter and you're hanging around in bars and then you know people <laughs> you think they shouldn't be hanging around in bars as much as they are and then yeah. you know suddenly you get to a point when you're a bit more grown up and you are living in a family environment and think oh, well, that's when you'd write something more about a kind of family environment or whatever so like friends I suppose people would watch going you know that would must yeah. have been lots of people in flat shares watching friends going Where, which one are you you know who who yeah. are we like or, yeah. or well that was written
0: because they'd had this brainstorm about saying the the traditional family sitcom and it was someone had spotted or read an article about the urban family that people who hadn't who were concentrating on their careers or, or were unable to afford to start families and things were having an urban family of friends yes. and then we can have the exact like same dynamic with two little kids and a mother and a father They're the wacky neighbors it's that it's it basically it's a it's a family sitcom but they did it with people of the same age
3: well i know one way you can look at Fraser, i suppose if you actually if you just sort of muddy the lines a bit. You know, if you think of Niles and uh, Frasier, you're ba- it's basically, you've got a couple bickering. That's, yeah. that's yeah. sort of what it is. Yeah. You know, they're cast
0: as siblings, but actually they're husband and wife. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's how the dynamic works. Well, the stroke of genius, I think, with, with Frasier, when you look at how they assembled it, and the original idea was to do, because Frasier's a spin-off from Cheers, Cheers is a is a precinct sitcom. It's people who are, you know, in a in commas in a workplace. It's like, yeah. it's like Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Taxi. You throw people together who shouldn't be together. And but it's, Frasier it's was
3: going to be a workplace sitcom. It was going to be a radio yeah, thing, wasn't it? it was, it was just- it? All going to be set around yeah, KACL and stuff, yeah. but and it gets enough earth there, and it's got. But I suppose then they become they're, they're sort of you know people like Bulldog and Gil Chesterton. Yeah. You know they're they're well rounded, but they're they're cameos, aren't they? You know, yeah. If they're, they're, they're in a scene like, with them. Yeah, and you know like, this is definitely going to be a funny bit, isn't it? They've not they've, <laughs> not, they've not they've not dropped Bulldog in to really drive the narrative. <laughs> hey,
1: sports fan, how they hanging? Okay, Bulldog. I was talking to Rice. <laughs>
3: And then, uh, Roz, who's the sister, I suppose, of uh, yeah. one of uh, the married couple, yeah, yeah. and um, Frazier, you know, then she sort of straddles both camps. She's really brilliant. Perry I, Gilpin, who plays Roz yeah, Dial, I remember absolutely amazing.
0: Rewatching this, I, I, I watched Frazier when it was on, and I loved it because I was huge. We're both huge Cheers fans, so for me, yeah. Frazier has always been the Cheers spin off, yeah, yeah, even when it was one of the biggest shows in was it was 38 Emmys or it's one mm. of the most successful sitcoms of all time but to me it always feels like it's a cheer spin off yeah. but I'd forgotten I remembered the thing you, you remember about Frasier it's clever it's witty it's fast. it's stagey yeah. It's it flatters the audience intelligence all those things but I'd forgotten it is completely adorable it it's is all about really loving the characters
3: of, it's really full of jokes as yes. well it's got proper proper jokes in but then it's on Earth by John Honey and Perry Goodman they're, they're the sort of people they, they, they've got their characters that can do life yeah. They find, uh, you know, uh, Fraser and Niles as ridiculous as, as, we, as we find them.
0: You know, Fraser, I'm getting just a
1: little tired of your constant insinuation that I sleep around. I didn't get any sleep because of that idiot Chopper Dave. When he gets bored doing traffic reports, he likes to buzz people's apartments in his helicopter. Oh, I can see how that would be annoying. Well, it didn't bother me much, but the guy I was with is a Vietnam vet and he started having flashbacks. <laughs>
0: The thing that I thought was amazingly clever in Cheers, which I think, again, they'd learned from Taxi, and you can see in The Simpsons as well, is that when a joke pings into the pinball, when you fire a ball into the pinball machine, it has to bounce off as many mushrooms as possible on the way out. Yeah. Which is how Cheers worked. And what you did is you made sure that you'd got all the different sorts of people in there. Yeah. So if you're doing something which is set in a very, very rarefied atmosphere like Fraser is, very, very high-end intellectual cultured thing you need some earthy people in there, you need a carla, you need a coach, you need some oh, people yeah, who have absolutely, got...
3: absolutely, yeah.
0: those two tones which are very delicately added in, and, and beautifully in the case of John Mahoney's character as Martin where the, his chair has been dropped in to ruin the furniture yeah. of that flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the joke, the number of jokes about furniture in Frasier, Frasier is the thing where, where the art department is doing a level of, of joke and character as well. But also, well, it was one chair of chair the most
1: extensive uh,
3: sets in television, <laughs> I mean everything in it is real, that's a, that's a blue <laughs> and a piano and stuff like that. Because David Type Pierce plays the piano brilliantly I, when I saw Spamalot he would play the piano during the big sort of Camelot scene I was very very excited to see him on stage I was, I was really beside myself and then I <laughs> it sort of would have been 2004 something like that and I was with my brother in New York no she's five and I I don't know why I thought that I would be alone in this but I remember at the interval saying I'm just going to go out and see where the stage door is and then maybe afterwards I could sort of get an autograph or sort of meet him or something and of course you go to the stage door at the end of the show and there's sort of 300 people um <laughs> But I did, I, I waited, and then they had, you know, like, barriers set up. But I waited, and he came out. I remember asking, please, may I shake your hand? So I shook, shook his hand, <laughs> and then and then he signed my my playbill. And then, I suppose now it sort of dates it, but I, I thought, oh, I could have taken a photograph, couldn't I? And I didn't think to take a photograph. And so I said to my brother, can you, would you mind if we wait? And so we waited, and eventually he came out again, and I said, can I have, have a photo with you? And there was someone between me and the railing. And he was sort of trying to work out. I said, it's fine. I mean, they can just be in the photo too. And he went, no, it's all right. And he sort of climbed up onto the railing and then leant over. And we took this photo. My brother took it. And then he said, is it a digital camera? Again, this dates this... Oh, Is it a wax cylinder. Uh, <laughs> and then he said, check you're happy with the photo. My brother said, oh, oh you're blinking in it. And he said, oh, I was. And he, so he just climbed up and we took it again. And I remember just walking off down the street thinking, he would have, he would have been there for another hour and a half. Wow. Know. Just remember sitting in a bar going, everyone in the world could be like him, couldn't they?
2: He seems amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, was, I went to see a friend the other night who's in a, a, a show in the West End. And afterwards she came out and it was the same thing. There's a lot of people waiting there at the stage door. And she hung around and had lots of selfies taken with people and signed a few programmes and things. And she said, this is actually the third act when you're in a show like oh. this. The first two acts are on stage and the third act is at the stage door afterwards. You've got another hour yeah, after yeah. you leave you're work. when you're still uh, at work. A sort of real, yes, of course, yeah. And it's a bit more, sort of, a bit more of an intimate setting
0: then. Yeah. William Goldman's brilliant point about saying, the thing about a great actor is not only can they play the part on stage but when they come out and meet their public or they go on a chat show, they play the part of someone who's interested to meet you yeah. and is interested to answer these questions. And the people who can do that, the the, the Michael Bublays, the George Clooney's, the John Hams, whoever yeah. it is, they're wonderful. What great sport Matt Damon is. No, that's also playing a part. When they're on Graham Norton, they're playing the part of someone who is delighted to be embarrassed with old photographs themselves. Yes, and delighted yes. to, to, it's, it's nice to find out, I mean, uh, with a, a show like this, where the first reaction to it, if you like the show, is that that family they've built, you love them. Yeah, And they should have the greedy, clever things. You love them, and you're, it's really nice to find out that David Hyde Pierce is being lovely and understands that relationship with his fans or whatever. It shouldn't be that. This should be a glossy, cool aspirational thing, but they've written it so well that you don't feel any of them are pricks, or you like them when they're pricks. Yeah, but <laughs> also you...
3: because John Mahoney's always always like, telling them when they are being pricks, then it, then it yeah. sort of makes it all right. They've got, you know, they're doing that work. They are completely the way in. They do that work for us.
1: Dad, you will not do it. How about you don't even have any tools around oh, here? Oh, well, that's where you are wrong. Let me show you something, mister. Here. See this? Every possible tool for every possible need. <laughs> got this from... Hamaker Schlemmer. Is that turquoise inlay? Yes, it also comes <laughs> Ebony and onyx. Onyx. Onyx, onyx is really? so showy. I don't think oh, you want well, onyx. Think onyx, so. it's it's onyx. It's onyx is so. a stone that resonates with Indians. This is onyx. why I never took any home
3: movies. I think the way that it just sort of develops character-wise, I remember reading a, a thing about it and they were saying they want to have that. You know, was the chemistry, definitely going to work with um, Kelsey Grammer and David Hyde-Pierce. And in the sort of pilot episode, there's a bit when they're having a slight sort of contretemps in the first scene and uh, Frasier says to Niles, when did you last have an unspoken thought niles and he just says i'm having one right now (laughs) and um, it just clicks i mean they are amazing technicians as well i mean i can't imagine how hard they work during their rehearsal weeks uh, and that sort of thing and also just and presumably in that sort of world when they must be really listened to as well i mean they are creative sometimes it's possible to overlook the actual creative role of acting, and you know, there's sort of directors that it's really, like, you know, incredibly prescriptive or whatever. If you're directing David Hyde Pierce or Kelsey Grammer, or presumably you've got to ask them what they think, you know, yeah. because that, that yeah. sort of that really, really, really matters. When you you know, it. Jane Leaves is really... She's really funny in it. You know, I suppose it's us... It's odd for us to watch a British character in an American yeah. sitcom. I mean, when you get to that sort of later episode when you've got sort of um, like Robbie Coltrane and Richard E. are brothers, and you're thinking, I mean, that would... That, would, that was not necessarily a casting that would happen on this side of the um, Atlantic. And
0: also, when you watch people who've done British turns in this era of very, very fast, formal American sitcom, when you put a British accent in there, it never works. Helen Baxendale always sounded wrong in Friends. The thing about Jane Leaves is she doesn't sound wrong in this. She's not putting her foot wrong. She's got the rhythms right.
1: <laughs> I'll get it, <laughs> Hey, Daphne. Ross! Oh, my God, you've got done! <laughs> Did you make her answer the door?
3: It's what she does. Well, then she's absolutely stuff. in the that that sort of Gilwood thing that some people thought was silly about knowing knowing what play you're in. Yeah, that really is <laughs> that's that's part of it. What is the you know you sometimes watch things and I think if you're filming sometimes you need to go and try and get yourself on set a little bit, especially in these areas of no rehearsal. You know, yeah. you go and see if you can watch the monitors for a bit and check what is the, what is the tone of this what because am I you in? know you. Read, I did a. Film a couple of years ago, when the director actually said, "I'm, I'm just not sure." You know, it was day two or three of filming. I'm, we're genuinely not sure exactly what the tone is. So we're going to film this. Can we do a really straight one, a really funny one, and somewhere in the middle? You know, these things. When things come together quickly, the money suddenly arrives, and you need to spend by a certain yeah. time. You just get everyone in costume. I <laughs> um,
0: remember being told um, that by someone at Walt that there. when they sent uh, Shane Meadows and Paddy Considine off to do Dead Man's Shoes, the pitch and the money was raised to make a, a, a knockabout comedy. And they came back and went, ah, we didn't get one. We've got this harrowing revenge drama.
3: (laughs) I hope it's still okay. I had an audition for something about four years ago, and my agent sent me the pages, and I looked at it for quite a long time, and then I finally thought, yeah, okay, I think I sort of see what this is. And I went and I did it, and uh, it was to play perhaps inevitably a priest, and I, I, I. I, um, I, I rang my agent afterwards and she said how did it go and she said I, I said i think it was fine yeah in the end yeah no i sort of got my head around it and yeah no it was quite funny in the end so uh, and she goes it's not it's not funny <laughs> and i said well i don't know all i've got is the two pages in front of me that, that to me seemed funny like one of the stage directions was Paul's face i mean what are you right <laughs> you know it was slightly awkward really in retrospect um <laughs> should have been warm. but not at the time yeah in fairness in this day and age, it would have been easier for me to research, at the very least, the genre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, less, le- lesson learned.
0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Everyone within it has decided on a tone, and the tone of this is different than than cheers. Mm-hmm. It's it slightly very more, it's witty and brittle and farcical and but it's it's a different thing. It's not got the same uh, vocabulary or tone. They've chosen to do something very different with it. And I think if you've done the radio station one, you can see it when, when Gil and Roz and Pete and Bulldog are on set. You go, that's a cheers. Yeah. Those are cheers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're they're in the key of it. But what they've they've done here is they've they've done made a, a bunch of really clever unexpected decisions. One, they've said who are you going to take and spin off from Cheers? It's not Frasier. Yeah, yeah. There's a, it's definitely Norman Cliff. There are a million people from Cheers that you'd spin off. You, so you take Frasier out and you go, okay, well he's a bit brittle and pompous. What should we do? We should make him really brittle and pompous and as a sidekick to offset that, give him someone even more brittle and pompous. <laughs>
1: yes, yes. Yeah. When you think about it our only mistake today was trying to fix that toilet ourselves. Yes, we tampered with the natural order of things. <laughs> but now, order has been restored. By hiring a plumber, that plumber can now afford, say, a Dolly Parton album. His <laughs> Parton can then finance a national tour, which will, of course, come to Seattle, allowing some local promoter to make enough money to send his cross-dressing teenage son to us for $150-an-hour therapy. <laughs> to the circle of life.
0: Well, their rule for this was no stupid characters, no stupid jokes, which takes out a whole palette of colour that was yeah. in Cheers, because you had great idiot barmen and great idiot bar yeah. So no-one doesn't know things.
3: I suppose also with Frasier, you're going, well let's let's give someone who would have a life outside the bar. You know, the other yeah. a lot of the other characters in Cheers, they're, <laughs> that's the bit of the day yeah. they're really longing for. And they're alive you know, oh, yeah, there. Do yeah. the yeah. post around get to the bar. That's you know? the only
2: thing Norm does, isn't it? Yeah. Really? yeah,
3: yeah, that's where they want to be. So that is that's that's their sort of you know whereas I suppose Frasier's slightly more fish out of water when he's yeah. uh, in the bar. It's a
0: lovely moment if you watch I think it's first episode series three of Cheers is Frasier's introduction episode. And brilliantly he's in he's in the bar for the whole episode, he's Diane's new boyfriend, and he's in the background. And the first time you watch it, now knowing Kelsey Grammer, you go, what? They put Kelsey Grammer in the background? He's not had any lines. Yeah. But he's hanging around in the bar for about ten minutes before he steps forward and says, hello, I'm Fraser Crane, I'm Diane's new boyfriend. And it's lovely, because you go, oh, any of those characters from the background of the bar could step forward.
3: Uh, he was just there when the music stopped. Tell him to drop by, I'll try to fit him in between dance.
1: Why don't you say hello to him right now? Hello, Sam. <laughs> I'm Dr. Fraser Crane. I'm sorry I startled you.
0: Everyone's got an inner life, and finally from him, you get a chance to go home and see his home life and things, and it's complicated and brilliant. But the real stroke of genius, which I think they did get from as a writing trick from Cheers, usually if you've got a precinct of characters or a family, you go, here's the idiot one, here's the vain one, here's the thing. And in Cheers, they did a brilliant thing of often having two of them. Well, so it means go,
3: they can be competitively, whatever their thing yeah. is. So if someone's really pompous, but no one else is pompous, there's nowhere for them to go. If there's someone yeah. else that's a yeah. bit more pompous, they can keep adding it.
0: And you get that with Niles and Frasier, where Frasier is more socially able... The Niles so he can cut it's just so clever yes but yeah, yeah. because but, but, it but. rounds
3: it rounds his edges rounds Frasier's edges
2: but the episode that you chose yeah series 4 episode 6 mixed doubles is it's having so much cake and eating it in this respect because <laughs> yeah, not yeah. only is there Frasier and there is Niles who is another Frasier in this episode there is another Niles yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a this, wonderful bit it, of construction. It's
3: sort of, it's also, it's one that's there for the fans Isn't it, this yes. is something that you've got You know, they've, they've already done what a, Nearly sort of 80 episodes or whatever yeah. By the time they've done this And so, suddenly there's this premise of this episode Daphne is split up with a boyfriend Niles who's been lusting after her Lusting is perhaps unfair He's in love with her He's, uh, it's clearly so romantic, a long, I think, which stops long, being creepy, yeah, I think. Yeah. He's, he,
2: been, uh, he's been examining her from all angles
3: for some years, <laughs> Yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. So he says to to Fraser, I'm going to tell her how I feel. And he's going, well, it's a bit... Don't go rushing in, you know, just give it a day. And then, as it turns out, Daphne goes to a bar with Roz and then meets someone that very night. And, of course, when he turns up, he is... Exactly like that. Right. <laughs> it's another
2: novel. It's
3: amazing.
0: Give it a day, you seat. said?
3: Give it a day? <laughs> <laughs> in
0: one day, she has found him again.
1: Oh, everyone, this is Rodney Banks. <laughs> uh, Hello, uh, Dr. Miles Crane? Uh, how do you do? The pleasure is mine.
0: <laughs> Flu season. Can't be too careful. You're playing with the toys you've got in your set. And yeah. you go... What happens
2: if you have two Niles? <laughs> and they it's even such... have—they even have—they match physical business, don't they? They both oh. reach for their their, for their tickets, tickets, yes, they, the they, their
3: tickets, and they—they they, all—they both think it's their phone when it's actually. Yep. <laughs> that's when when he comes in and he's so like him, and the phone rings and they're both looking for it at the
1: same time. <laughs> well, we've just had the most wonderful day at the marina. Oh, you got a boat? Actually, no. I have an inner ear curvature that makes me prone to motion sickness, but there's a charming bistro there that serves the most exquisite. Not me. Not me. Hello. Oh, I can't talk now, Duke. I'm in the Twilight Zone.
3: (laughs) And then it's actually the dad. Dad picks up the phone and he goes, I can't talk now, Duke, I'm in the Twilight Zone. The the
0: handkerchief business, which I think David hyde Pierce said it was the key to his character, that on the first day on set, he came in and he had to sit in the cafe with with Frasier And be introduced as the brother, which they do brilliantly by just putting up a a full screen caption, black, with the word, the brother. They use the captions to move exposition on Mm, really fast. But he sits down and the first thing he does is he dusts off the seat with his handkerchief. And that says he's got a handkerchief, he carries a handkerchief and he will not sit on a dirty seat. And by the time he sat down, you've told him everything. And for a very verbal show, the amount of physical business that all the characters do to tell you who they are is wonderful but also He's a really he good
3: clown. he is an ast- he is I, I in terms of his sort of comic versatility i mean absolutely extraordinary he, you you could have him as a, a cast member in a radio sketch show couldn't you and yeah. he could be in a sort of you Know complicite show or a mime show. I mean, well, he he's... does
0: that amazing thing. Is it Three Valentines? Where the opening five minutes yeah. is him setting fire to the house, <laughs> yeah, which was done because they wanted to do Mr. Bean with him. They so said, Could you do Mr. Bean? Yeah, because he's pompous. And... Well, have you
3: seen the episode where there's the sword fighting? Uh, I mean, he's absolutely <laughs> with the fencing with, with um, Maris's uh, fencing coach. It's because um, <laughs> the Maris stuff, it's very you know, when you obviously one never sees her, and that's her sort of Mrs. Columbo kind of brilliance, and they that she is just this sort of great vessel, and you know, they say they don't. City, but those ones they always are. Sort of. <laughs> there's one when uh, there's another episode. I really love the the, the candidate and uh, they're t- t- telling this candidate, or oh, they're doing absolutely everything. They my my. Don't worry, my wife's got all the staff uh, licking the envelopes for you at home. It's all absolutely fine. Uh, she join in herself, of course, but the poor thing can't produce saliva. it's <laughs> you know, uh, amazing things. And stuff. When she runs, she doesn't she doesn't leave footprints in snow and stuff like that. Really.
0: What well, they got to a point where they kept putting those lines in, so you'd keep imagining this almost like supernatural yeah, Tim yeah. Burton esque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: it's so amazing. What, what, if, what, if it turned out that Maris was played by Johnny Depp, that yeah. would be the only. There's almost no other appropriate casting.
0: They yeah. put her in one of those costumes where they're backwards, so the legs go the other way. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like, like something from Pan's Labyrinth. Come, but they, they sort of described it. Shades her of and, Bernie Clifton. Yeah. But someone said that an amazing actress phoned up and said, Oh, I'd love to play the part of Maris. And they went, We can't now. Because mm. there's no human being who could come on set and live up to the description we've given of her, which is brilliant. But
3: also because Lilith, I mean, because the that that's that sort of oh. apotheosis of sort of uh chill that, that she is with Newerth. I mean, it's a, a, absolutely amazing. And yes, you obviously, think, if Frasier's course,
0: got a wife who is brittle and difficult and complicated, then obviously Niles' has to be but, exponentially more bizarre. Yeah, but she's very sort of steely as well, yeah. isn't she? Um, uh, it's a great performance. Bebby Norworth is just Yeah, amazing. amazing. When, they, when they let her in. That's one of the few things where they let someone in from Cheers and you go, it completely works because she's totally in Fraser's world. Yeah, so yeah. you're always welcome to have Lilith in because she was such a such a good... It's always weird seeing a picture of Bebby Norworth with her hair down.
3: Hey, she's acting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Turns out okay. it can be done.
3: But I love the runners they sort of put in. Like, in the, they just that rule of farce about setting something up, you need to try and set it up with it, you know, like an axe before or something. Don't say, oh, don't knock over that vase, it's very expensive, smash. You know, yeah. Like yeah. 40 minutes earlier, someone needs to say, well, of course, this vase is incredibly expensive, yeah. it would be awful if someone to smash it. Uh, well, you know, it, it's a bit, it's sort of compressed in sitcom terms but that so in this episode Frasier's finally got the last set of these ridiculous coffee cups each one is a different one of the six wives of Henry VIII (laughs) there's a moment where during the bit when he's discovering just how alike him the new boyfriend is that you just suddenly hear this smash from the kitchen (laughs) and Frasier goes Anne of Cleves (laughs) and uh, Niles goes Catherine of Aragon
0: (laughs) really really angrily that joke structure which is as you say sort of drop a thing in challenge the audience to remember it and then reward yeah. them when you do it's all to do with flattering the audience and the, the wonderful thing about this episode particularly you're trying to get jokes out of people finishing the joke for you the mm. audience you're saying we're not going to spell the joke out we'll allow you to join the last two dots and then you'll feel double the laugh because you helped make it Yeah. and the great thing about this episode this episode is about will they won't they it's about the unsaid romance between because well, it, you know, it
3: finishes it finishes really really beautifully oh, I mean, end you're end building back. towards
0: this thing where the audience is. what the audience is bringing is the bag a four series of knowing that Niles and Daphne are a, a couple where, where the truth cannot be said. So yeah. the audience is holding. I think if you've never seen an episode of this before, within seconds, you will know at the beginning that they are holding a candle for each other. And with that knowledge in your heart, you can finish... 30 jokes for the next 10 minutes, but you are finishing them yourself because none of the characters are saying it. And it's a wonderful, generous, flattering way of doing character jokes, is to say you, the audience, own a piece of information that the
1: characters don't. Fraser, I'm going to tell Daphne how I feel about her. What? I'm going to tell her tonight. No, before you do something, this rash, perhaps you should consider it from all angles. I spent three years considering Daphne from all angles.
2: (laughs) Guys, I've got a confession. Okay. Is it about all their murders you've done? It's not about all their murders I've done. This is the first episode of Frasier I have ever seen. I'd never seen it before. For some reason it wow. passed me by. It hadn't hit my radar. So I sat and watched this yesterday and made a few notes. Knew exactly who everybody was. It's crystal clear wow. to a first-time viewer. And the yep. last line of this made me cry. It oh, was that's so impressed it. It's it's a sensational piece of work and I've now got to go and watch all of Frasier.
3: You do, well, you do, yeah. It's <laughs> it's just really great. It's just so there's it, a lot has, of love it it in it. it and that thing of just everyone buying into the thing. I'm I'm thrilled that you love it so it's much fantastic. from just one and, and, e- episode.
2: Yeah. But the big thing about it was it everything in it is crystal clear. So for a first-time viewer going in, I knew exactly who these people were. I knew what their relationships were. I could tell that he was obviously been in love with Daphne for years, I imagine. Four series, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, the construction, the fact that once you've got two Nileses (laughs) and they're going on double dates, you go, I know where this is going. I can see what's going to happen here. The the wrong two are going to get together and the other two aren't, aren't they? Exactly what they do, and they've got—they're having so game much game cake chess. and eating it. It's fantastic. You're moving pieces. That in. lovely bit where Nile spots. Adele with Rodney. Yeah. In other words, Rodney's doing the dirty on Daphne. Yeah. Instead of being furious, and a rare overhead, moment of uh, only fools and horses crossover. Yeah. And you've
3: got Adele and Rodney. <laughs> but, instead, here, yeah. but
2: instead of being furious that his date is out with Rodney, he says, yeah. "How dare anybody treat Daphne?" Yeah. Like that? It's absolutely <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? And the selflessness that. of it.
0: They're very good at throwing uh, sympathy back onto characters who would otherwise be dislikable And you go, the moment you go that, it, it purifies his motives with Daphne. You realise he's got this sort of white knight thing. He would do anything for yeah. her he's a gentleman, it's not because it could be creepy that he's got a crush on his dad's physical therapist but it never yeah. is, it's romantic and you realise that whether obviously he acts on it or doesn't act on it, it's done out of a pure love yeah, Yeah. his first thought is for her feelings
1: I don't believe it the betrayal no one treats Daphne like that but, whatever you do do not engage him in a physical fight the whole thing would just look like too
0: weird. Yeah, yeah. which immediately yeah. You go, well, that makes him nice again. And,
3: uh, but also the sort of anxieties of him. There's that bit when at the, the, the beginning he's having the conversation with with Fraser and he's saying, no, I'm absolutely clear. I've never felt, you know, I've never felt uh, uh, more certain. But I can tell that I'm right because I'm actually I'm actually calm. Look at my hand. That he's yeah. he, he's, he's put one <laughs> hand on a statue and he's holding out a hand in front of him that's completely still, but the one on the statue is shaking and the statue moves again. across the thing.
1: Perhaps I'll take that
3: brandy again because yeah. he offers him that brandy as well doesn't he, he he's like going, I don't need a no I would like a brandy and then he starts getting flustered I've been
1: rehearsing this for months Daphne something I need to talk to you about it's a matter of Daphne <laughs> for a long time now I uh, you and I uh, we exactly how's the brandy getting here by st. Bernard
3: I love watching David Hyde Pierce I really I think they're all brilliant and I know it's called Frazier, but I l- the love David Hyde-Pierce no, I really do.
0: I often wonder about that with, with Fraser because it is... Kelsey Grammer has been in an ensemble sitcom as a side character. Yeah. He's given his own show and because the guys who write it are absolutely brilliant, they then surround him by people who can equal and better him. They build another ensemble around him and a lot of the spotlight... Isn't on Frasier. Frasier gets some terrific lines and things. I often wonder whether Kelsey Grammer's ego alone would have gone. I know it's for the good of the show, but I am being upstaged left, right, and centre <laughs> by it, some terrific. <laughs> how dare they put these brilliant people with? No, me. but
3: that's the point. You know, that's the point of sort of proper ensemble stuff. I think if, like, if you really like sort of comedy acting, you know, you want to be on stage with other. People, yeah, you know, yeah, and that's yeah. that's what makes it. I'm, as I said I'm in a one-man play at the moment, and that's one you know. You think, oh, I look forward to acting because there'll be other people there, and then suddenly. <laughs> 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 but I, that sense of you know surrounding yourself with really good people—that's the sensible thing, you know. Don't just stick yourself front. You know, Vic, Victoria Woods, you know, was an amazingly brilliant person, yeah. incredibly talented, and what didn't she surrounded herself with other brilliantly talented yeah. people, and it just raises the
2: whole thing. What's you know? the experience of doing a one-man play like?
3: It's a bit odd. Uh, it's a very as it happens, it's written by James uh, Kettle, uh, who was the head writer on the News Quiz for ten yes, ten series. Writer. Amazing writer, and um, you know the the actual work itself, the, the piece is really, really satisfying. Um, it just, you know it involves sort of stamina and focus and, and things like that. I had a press night the other night, even though we've been on the road for five weeks. You know, a press night. All the I mean, I've done about. How many uh, sort of solo stand-up shows? But I've never had a thing where it's you know effectively a press night. Having a mm. press night, a theatre press night when you're the only person in it is, <laughs> I did afterwards say to the stage manager, I, do, "I don't think I can be in a play again." <laughs> uh, I, I'm not I sure. I, I'm not sure I could. Uh, I could cope with that level of uh, pressure again. <laughs> um, so that those moments, but it's you know it's 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 great fun. But you you know you do you find yourself wanting right now. I want to be in a thing with other people, and I think that that kind of the ensemble thing it makes all of them better. Yeah, it would be mad for Kelsey Grammer to think you know, wouldn't it be great if everyone else wasn't as good as this? You know, because they're all <laughs> elevated. And there were episodes that he wrote and directed. You know, he really tried to write some episodes when he was uh, away ill. At one point, And they were... He sort of couldn't really write for Frasier. He discovered wow. he could write for... He just like for the other characters. That's what he liked doing. And I think when you've got a voice... Like, <laughs> I... You know, I, I did this radio thing um, in and out of the kitchen. and when Oh, I which first, was great. Oh, thanks very much. Thank you. In the first first series, I had this sort of vague idea for casting, but it was all... It wasn't quite right properly. It was just... In my in, basically, I sort of thought, right, what mega stars are with my agency? They, <laughs> they'll all be in it. And I wasn't really thinking. And then when we actually did it, you know, we had this fantastic people Philip Fox and Justin Edwards, Selena Cadell. And I, and I just used to, when I started writing it, second and third series, I, you know, I just had their voices in my head. Or mm. So to write for Philip Fox and to write for, for Justin and Selena, I just, and um, you know, in a way, it's sort of Frasier that, really, you know, the characters and that is too. Uh, men who live together and they're kind of, you know, that, they're sort of N- Niles and Frasier and then there's the builder that's always there, Mr Mullaney, he's effectively the dad. Uh, you know, there's a kind of, there's uh, there's a sort of Roz character, I suppose, Marion uh who is also a producer. In it. You know, I suppose it's a, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's yeah. a template, obviously, that, yeah. that, that, that has gone over that if one uh, looks at it re- retrospectively. Uh, But the strength of the ensemble in this, but also the wider ensemble, you know, if you look at the credits, if you're the sort of person that looks at the credits, you've got people that have written the storyline one week, they produce the next week, they've done the teleplay the next week, you know, that sort of utility player, they can all do all these different jobs, you know, they can all run writers rooms, they can all turn out drafts, they can all do the punch ups, they can all, and it means they're all across, the people that make the programme and write the programme have just got all these different skills and they can sort of you know, they can storyline the whole thing and say, Right, you do that, but what we'll would that they're absolutely, you know, they really are There were the guys, I mean, they, they talk brilliant. about the
0: team, there were sort of, people who were just absolutely plot Nazis and things. But you can see there people <laughs> in there who, who really are able to do four more fast, which is a very difficult thing to write.
3: Well, episodes like that, you've got to watch S- an episode, lodge. The, the S- Ski Lodge. So uh, pure
0: doors opening fast. I mean, that's, it's a very...
1: It's it is theatrical. exceptional, and
3: it has an has American guy playing a French character who is just, <laughs> he is astonishing. It's an incredible piece of work.
1: Can't we just have a nice, relaxing ski trip? Does this whole weekend have to be about sex? Hello. <laughs> Hello. I am Guy. Daphne. Ami. I hope you're ready to ski tomorrow. I'm going to work you very hard. Oh. <laughs> Dibs on the Frenchman. It really, it really is.
0: But there's a, there's a sort of theatrical formality to it, but it also it plays with stuff that is quite high risk in sitcom, because with sitcom you want absolute clarity. I like all the rules it breaks. You want absolute clarity of status and things. And yeah. everyone in here is high status in something and low status in something. There aren't simple status things. Everyone here is obviously socially sort of fairly high status. Yeah. And even you know, Martin, well, he's the dad, so he's high status even though his class is lower. But he's, he's proper a proper grown up. And yeah. he's a proper grown up. And Roz is more sexually. Of course, able. the
3: policeman aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. You've got that. He's literally an authority figure. Yeah. You know? And obviously in I mean, Cheers, all Fraser does. He hosts a you know he hosts a phone in show. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. He, He's got this very you know, and that's why he has and that he's... sort of thing with Niles. It's like, well, Niles, I'm a proper psychiatrist, whereas you're doing a radio show. One
0: of them went to Harvard, and one of them went to Yale. And one's a Jungian and one's a Freudian, so basically they do the same job, but they are instantly yeah, yeah. rivals in every way. But also Martin, who I think in the in Cheers, Fraser's dad is dead and was a, uh, an eminent psychiatrist. Yeah, and they went oh. when they came to they went it won't work. We can't have another psychiatrist. So they said, what's the the funniest thing? And then you can build a fish out of water into his own home because there's someone in his own home in whose world he doesn't fit.
1: People around here take a lot of pride in this town. They don't appreciate some radio know-it-all telling them it's rainy and depressing. In case you haven't noticed, Dad, it does get a little damp around here. For God's sake, the state flower is mildew. (laughs) Let me tell you something. A city's like a woman. You get one mad at you, it doesn't matter if you're completely right and she's completely wrong, you apologise anyway or you'd be paying for it for the rest of your life. I'm not sure I care for that analogy. Oh, gee, I'm sorry, Daphne, I was way out of line. All right, you're forgiven.
2: <laughs> That's an interesting dynamic, though, isn't it? The, the notion of blue collar parent with white collar children. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I think it's a dream. dream. You can yeah. classes. But, but yeah. also
3: the fact that he is, at times, just slightly disappointed Right. Yeah. There's lots of lovely scenes where he talks about his wife. You know, when he's talking about the chair, you know, he was yeah. like. You know, that's I want to sit in the chair I was sitting in when I saw Neil Armstrong land on the moon. You know, <laughs> when your mother told me she was pregnant with you, and all these sort of things. There's this sort of love story there, of course, that we've never seen yeah. any of. And he basically, the way he says all the, all the, you know, the classy stuff you get from your, from your mum. She had sort of taste in that sort of thing. And he talks about this woman that he was sort of totally. Uh, in love with and then the flip side of that you have all the stuff about them that is white collar is he finds genuinely disappointing <laughs> it's great you know they've got all these certificates on the wall but they can't fucking catch you know and that's,
0: that's really is the, is it's the opening, very the,
3: upsetting the cold you know?
0: open in this which is where they're, they're looking out the window through the telescope as if they're spying on a nude woman, yeah, and 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 sort of lusting after it, after something they can see in the distance, and it's a, it's a Brancusi armchair, yeah. And yeah. The Dad is disappointed that it's not a woman putting yeah, her bra- yeah. up.
2: <laughs> that's yeah.
0: what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I'm disappointed just,
3: in you. It's so upsetting for him that they don't conform to all sort of societal norms. <laughs> in that, there's a great one where Frasier <laughs> buys this painting by this sort of uh, fabulous lady, and uh, it turns out it's not it's not by her, and he only discovers this when he has an unveiling of the painting at the flat. The artist is there he's very pleased and, and um she says this is not my painting you know it's a it's a sort of fake it's done in her style and he's absolutely living about it and martin says uh he's like what do i do what do i do what do i do what do i do and he's like well you've got to call the police haven't you and he picks up the phone and starts starting and says who do i talk to and he says oh well, ask them to put you through to the art fraud department and uh, <laughs> this just coming through the art fraud department and then you can just hear he doesn't know what's going on. You realise that someone at the end of the phone is laughing and uh, Martin goes, yeah, put him on to me, put him onto <laughs> me. And it's a mate of his that picked up the phone. And, of course, he's like, it's not a real problem. What you're talking about is it's not a problem that, that sort of matters. You, you, the Seattle you, police do not have an art fraud department <laughs> if you ring their kind of 911, <laughs> you know.
1: Do people ever come up to you after they've met me and say, how can that guy be your father? He's nothing like you. Well... Because they've been saying that to me about you for the last 40 years. <laughs>
0: It's him being the voice of the normal world, which again yeah. Ros does the two of them work really well as, as little voices in even in the, the in the precinct when he goes to the to the office you've got uh, Gil who is even more pompous and silly than yeah. he is, and then Bulldog who is just like a super Martin like the worst version of Martin there yeah, could be yeah, yeah. they place it where they double up roles to sort of show off that well Martin may be a bit rough but he's not Bulldog yes, and, yes, and yes. Frazier might be a bit of a prick but he's not Gil well the
3: characters they have just the way just they sort of take the edges off each other sort of yeah. all, all the time yeah right. there's an episode called the um, Radio Ham again and you your mm. sort of wish list which is really and that's where they it's the sort of anniversary of the station and they try and do a sort of live radio drama oh, that Fraser directs and he gets very Uptight and Gil Gil Chesterton, the, who is the what are he, he's classical like the radio music. food classical music and food critic is he and his <laughs> bow his, tie sort of fairly yeah sort of flamboyant and he has these lines that he's absolutely desperate to get in because he starts doing it bigger and bigger so he starts eventually they start killing each other off during the radio and it's very uh, Martin's listening it's an absolute bloodbath you know <laughs> but he has this bit that he he always there's this line that he loves
2: delivering it's,
1: when the lights came back up. Nigel Fair Service lay mortally wounded. I'm dying. Poor man was gone. Never again to revisit the scene of my boyhood in Surrey. <laughs> <laughs> One thing with my school chums and the fems and spinnies. Just then, the lights went out again. The final bullet blew his head clean off his shoulders. Uh,
3: <laughs> which is sort of absolutely <laughs> Americans writing about uh, British sort of culture life, but it's... <laughs> no it's an absolute treat and there's a there's just a lot of it I think when when only uh, died uh, last year was it I remember just suddenly feeling really upset yeah. I just thought I just thought oh gosh this really ma- really matters to me this program
0: there's a there's a lot of generosity in this there's generosity towards the characters they like them it would be very easy to to the lazy thing would be to do, well, there's no story here because we're judging him. He's a prick. But what you've got in this show is this family is lovable. He is lovable. The characters love him. So when someone says, you remind me of Fraser." They're not just saying, oh, you've got some of those qualities. They're also saying you're, you're asshole."
3: You're an arsehole, but I like you. Yeah, it's like all someone saying, oh, watch, uh, you should watch Friends. You really remind me of uh, Ag- Gun to the Barman Agri- <laughs>
0: You really remind me of naked guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not a full sucker. Marcel Who we never, who
3: never seen. Just from, the, just from the description of him, you really remind me. He's the of. Maris. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maris of Friends. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's, there's, a, there's a generosity to it, and also a generosity to the audience. And they had a, a policy of... So they said with ten percenters, there were jokes in this that they knew ten percent of the audience would like, and yeah. screw ninety percent because there'll be another joke in a minute, and they were prepared to do that, which is very unusual in American uh, network comedy because everything's tested, and you, you you're terrified that if one joke flies over the audience's head, they'll turn off. Yeah, and I think as a, as an audience member, you get that feeling that they they are talking. There's a, Latin,
3: there's a Latin pun in it at one point, which Niles <laughs> came up with these nine, which is something like uh, semper ubi sub ubi, which is just always wear underwear. You know? And, that's, <laughs> and it, that's just in a very sort of ba- basic Latin. But yeah, that's... that's a 10%. I mean, that's, 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 I mean, and it's, is lu- that it's ludicrous. Is it even a 10%? Yeah. There's
0: a lovely... Um, Kelsey Grammar, I've just found this quote from Kelsey Grammer. He said that uh, Jack Benny always used to say, play up to your audience. And that was the hallmark of the show. Assume they know better. Yeah. And that's so rare. At the same time, they put apparently they put the dog in, they put Eddie the dog in, because someone had said... Oh, we've not even mentioned. They put, uh, no, put Moose Eddie the dog in. Apparently, when they had those things where they, they play it to an audience and they put those approval dials, that every time an animal goes on screen, the approval dials always go up. <laughs> so they cynically put a dog in, knowing that if they got nothing at all, it would still have overall some, some spikes in it. Yep. And it was done as insurance. It was cynically put in as insurance. And then you go, but the way you use that dog, it's
2: brilliant. I, a, friend, a friend of
3: mine, a director, saying recently she was involved in something, and she said, that's... So that's an you know, interesting project, and she said, "Look, I mean, the fact of the matter is, no no film about a dog has ever lost money." I don't know if that's true. In a way, I hope it is. It would just be an amazing, be an amazing certainty <laughs> to know that there are at a time like this to know there are some certainties out there. If you think about those films that lost, you know, famously sort of lost a lot of money,
2: Waterworld, Two, Dog World. Yeah, if, San,
3: if Santa Claus the movie had been called Do- Dog the
2: movie, or, yeah. <laughs> or Heaven's Gate in Dogs. Um, can I tell you the only thing that I didn't like about it? Mm. Yeah. Was the music. Ah. Because it said on the end credits, sung by Kelsey Grammer, and I thought, no, it's not. That should be sung by Fraser Crane, shouldn't it? (laughs) Surely this is the kind of thing he would sing if he were in a karaoke club or something. (laughs) Yes. Apparently, someone said that
0: that's the thing they get asked most about is the end theme. He said that people just asked him, what's it mean, what's it about, and it it was just filler. It's messing about. You're right, it's in characters, what he would do on his piano. Yeah. A bluesy thing to show off. It's supposedly yeah. about therapy, isn't it? Because the central joke of Fraser is that he's a therapist who gives advice to people whose life is a mess.
3: Yeah. So yeah.
0: Th- the central joke is, is he's he's dealing with people who are mentally scrambled. Yeah. But I suppose it's sort of like, it is a funny theme. It doesn't it's peculiar.
3: not, I think we can go as far to say it's not as good as the cheers theme.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think we can say man, that. Well. I, hope, I, hope, I, hope, I, hope, I hope
3: I'm not being controversial. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not a controlled experiment, is it? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Frasier has left the building.
0: They've built this amazing ensemble and, and from various angles they've run it past so that the farce can work. And for a farce to work, the audience need to know what everyone is going to do. So that when they do it, you're delighted. And when they don't do it, you're equally delighted and confounded. And it's just a joy. And as you said, you watched this from a, from a standing start and knew what everyone was going to do. Yep. The bit where Roz greets Daphne at the door and hugs her in she an intimate knows. way. Yep. Oh, you've been dumped. And all the men have been had trouble understanding it, two of whom are supposed to be psychiatrists. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's That's so right, many yeah. levels of joke in, in the way that two of the psychiatrists hug each other. It's so cleverly balanced. And some of that is the ensemble, some of that is the writing. It is a magical combination. I was
3: surprised watching this back the other way, I was surprised at how many jokes that Frasier makes at Roz's expense, which I wondered if it dated it very slightly. You know, she says to her, Daphne, I'm going to take you to a bar. I, go, I call it the Sure Thing. And uh, he says, oh, how flattering. They've named a bar after her. And you think, yeah, it's a bit sort of relentless. She's very resilient to it. Well, she's just better than them. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Have you heard the casting rundown for Roz? Because if we're all saying how much we love Roz and we love Roz, Well, Lisa Kudrow played it for was up few days. To, yeah, she was up to the last two. But the casting list that got to Perry Gilpin, Alison Janney, wow. Patricia Clarkson, Hope Davis, Janine Garofalo, Salma Hayek, and the last two standing, Perry Gilpin and Lisa Kudrow. And Lisa Kudrow got friends weeks after losing
3: Ros she did start filming yeah. after a couple of days they didn't
0: they started changing the character to fit her delivery and then Gilpin oh, had taken
3: it. Lisa Kudrow out for lunch to congratulate her <laughs> on getting the role of Ros really
0: wow. but it would have been a very wow. different character and I don't think anyone else could have done it and it, there's something in her that is that is missing from all the other every one of these characters has got something that's missing from all the other ones Yeah, and yeah. her earthiness and her unashamedness yeah. All the rest of them are. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, of it's,
3: it's the wizard of Oz, isn't it? They've yeah. all they've all there's all one one thing that they're looking for at this time. One <laughs> yeah. of them needs courage, one of them needs a heart. Yeah. One of them it's, needs a wizard, is that right? <laughs> a, a, a very What's long right? time since I've seen <laughs> <I> this. <it's, laughs> e-
0: it Eddie the dog who needs a wizard? that's yeah, right. that, that's how yeah, yeah, yeah. Formally, that's right. actually, you can always hang things over the wizard of oz. See the way he's slurping his orange juice? Sloppy kisser. No, you can tell right away the guy is no good in bed. He's so cautious. Look at the way he's blowing on his
1: coffee. I wasn't trying to cool it. I was simply blowing a foam hole. You don't even wrinkle
0: the sheets, do you? The reputation it has for being a formally excellent farce. Yeah. It might even put some people off watching it, because you'd go, oh, is it going to be clever, clever?
2: Yeah, and yeah. it's not, it's just clever No, it's just really clever I mean, they, they keep stacking the dilemmas As opposed to clever, clever, it's really... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, keep, they keep stacking the dilemmas up, don't they? So that even when, in the last scene with um, Niles and Daphne She then starts basically destroying Niles By going, well, I should never have been with a guy like that Should I? And you go, oh God, you've, you've found more dilemmas
1: in this Yeah, way yeah done. I'll have everything just so He's <laughs> nuts about cleanliness <laughs> Then there's his clothes, his precious shoes I don't like this road we're on well I mean, well, what if it, it was one of those coming.
3: people that, you know, how awful to come rushing in like that? What a dreadful, yeah. <laughs> you know, he made <laughs> that... a real mistake that night.
1: Men can be such an unfeeling lot. Uh, look at Rodney. The minute he heard I'd just broken up with someone, he moved right in for the kill. Is that how all men are? No, not all men. <laughs> no, of course they aren't. You're not. You're kind, sensitive. <laughs> if you ask me, you were too good for that, Adele. Thank you, Daphne. Now the truth is, my heart was never really in that relationship.
2: I thought it might not be.
0: But again, the audience is bringing loads of knowledge to there and it's all playing in David High-Pierce's
2: face and it's playing in the way he delivers things. And there's, there's, they are, there's they tragedy. Tra- they're threatening collapse the whole time. Yeah. They're pushing this thing right towards the edge of collapse yeah. and it never gets there because it's so cleverly done. But that, that
0: yeah. last scene where they're in the bar talking to each other which leads towards the line that that is beautiful... There's everything in there because you're talking here about something which is very fashionable in comedy now, which is long arcs, yeah. Yeah. drama within comedy and things. It allows itself that and it plays it hilariously. It doesn't stop being funny, but it's incredibly heartfelt and incredibly sincere. And you, you ache for them.
3: Yeah, And because yeah. the scene before in that bar, it's really, it's sort of funny. So you think, oh, this is a funny place. You know, I mean, he's there with Roz and she's yeah. like saying, look, turn to the girl next to you. And you've got to just tell her, you just basically just uh, uh, ask her about herself and, uh, m- <laughs> you know, find her fascinating. That's what you've got to do. And the he devil, turns out and says, what's your name? Is that yeah, yeah. It's like one L or two? It's two. Really? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: it's but boring. you've been set up to expect that. And then they do something intimate and fragile and clever. Yep. But totally heartfelt. And it ends on the line he's been
1: waiting to hear. Yeah. Well, I, I would have said, is this seat taken? And uh, you would have said, no. And you would have said, my name is Daphne. And I would have said, my name is Niles. And then I would have said, what are you doing for the rest of your life? <laughs> you always know just the right thing to say. Oh, I love you, Dr. Crane. <laughs>
0: I love you too, Daphne. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are coming. No laugh. No laugh, just pain. And ache, and everyone's been there. It's just yeah. so beautiful, Absolutely done. wonderful. It contains wonderful. An absolute truth. And, again, it's two psychiatrists who are after... Their job is to tell people, to, as he says at the beginning, you have to be honest, you have to say how you feel... It's all about saying how you feel, and it ends. Okay, formal beauty, the beginning, Frasier says, say how you feel, let it out. At the end of it, they say how they feel and let it out, and it's still painful. And it solved nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, that, that is just, you have to stand back in awe of how well put together these are. Yeah. They're wonderful shows. My next choice is The Vicar of Diblick. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, next hour. <laughs> Thank you so much
2: for bringing no, thanks. In. Thanks Fraser, for me. Thank double. you. Thanks, Miles. Cheers.